I can get a dramatic shot of you riding away. <laughs> I'm gonna do a bunny hop and not hold that trash can. Well, <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Tastemakers. Um, this time we got the wonderful Matt Kelly uh, sitting down with us uh, from One Lucky. So thanks for coming on and hanging out, man. How are you doing? Happy to be here, man. It's yeah. great. Yeah, thanks for coming to our place to make it happen. Yeah, tell me a little about, about this place. I know you got kind of two gigs rolling, right? Your, your One Lucky deal and then the B-sides and the buildings. I mean, obviously a beautiful building here. Yeah, so we're on the near southeast side of downtown, 1301 Lafayette. Been here for 12 and a half years. Wow. So One Lucky Guitar is a boutique creative agency. Uh, owned that and ran it out of my apartment for several years. And then when I needed office space, this was a great place to be. It's a, we're one of several tenants and we've always had kind of a great group of folks here that are in media and mm -hmm. yoga and uh, artists, photographers. And so we kind of fit in pretty well. And as we've grown, we knock walls down and uh, one of the walls we knocked down and created this space that we're in now. It's really our conference room. And typically, space. yeah, typically there are tables there. And then what we do is about once a month, we move the tables and set up some chairs and put a concert on. We call it the B-side at yeah. One Lucky Guitar because it's, it's not our primary thing, but it's another thing that we do. And cool. uh, it's been a really great space to have. Nice. So then is this kind of just a reflection of your personality coming out through work at One Lucky? Uh, uh, I don't know, you know, we, 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 uh, first time I was ever in this building was right when the building opened, um, and this was kind of a some, somewhat blighted area, and they, uh, the, the folks that own this own several of the kind of warehouses around here, and they finished this one enough to show what could be done with kind of a multi-tenant space, and, uh, these folks put on this big art event in here called Pop Filter. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I was ever in this building, in fact, ever in this room. And this was a multimedia thing, film, uh, kind of uh, interactive theater was happening, and then live music. And I was in a band and we performed in this space. Yeah. And it was, you know, a year and a half later before I entertained the idea of needing studio space. But even back then, like, there was something about this room that just sounded incredible. And it's, uh, to this day, it's the same. We have sound gear now and some amps and things like that, but often when a performance happens in here, folks won't use any, they just do naked, no yeah. PA. And it's often very singer-songwritery and, and there's something about the space. It's just like really awesome. That's cool. So tell me a little bit, you said you uh, started in, a, in your apartment, started One Lucky. Yep. Um, so tell me a little bit, that transition of growing from just you and your apartment to what One Lucky is today and some of the clients you've grown to yeah. love and do work for? Yeah. So I worked at a, by Fort Wayne Standards, pretty large marketing firm, around 50 people. Um, okay. Kind of isolated out on the north side of town and didn't really, f and that was right out of school. I was there about four and a half years. And, and in Bloomington, right? Uh, went to school in Bloomington, yeah, yeah. and then moved back up. Um, 
And you know, we didn't. I didn't feel there that we were very connected to the community, and um, I, a wonderful experience for me there. I you know, kind of counted as grad school, and I learned skills that I still are valuable to me to this day. But when I left, two things. One it was a very intense place to work, and I, I felt I needed to kind of decompress before I found my next spot to land. And so I just kind of started freelancing. Um, and I also sought to be more involved in the community. That was something that I, you know, I was an art and English major, and like, you know, I was like, I'm either going to do Teach for America or get a job in marketing and advertising, and and did the latter. But I didn't feel like I was making, doing much to make the world a better place. And so when I went on my own, I, I quickly would find things that were interesting, that were happening, that were not telling a very maybe compelling brand story or, or presenting themselves as interesting as they were. And one of the times, this would be like, I don't know, 1999, 2000 or so, the, the um, Museum of Art would have this event on Friday nights called Club Art, uh -huh. and it was for people in their 20s, and there's live music and beer, and it was a blast, but you would see the marketing for it, and it looked like it was like a kid's birthday party. <laughs> and I was like, can I do those posters for you and make them look as cool as this event is. And then we did, and then same thing down at Columbia Street, there'd be some local band doing something that was really interesting and cool, but again, it didn't present itself that way. And I think that's been, uh, we still do that, right? So whether it's doing the branding for Fort Wayne Trails or working with you know groups like, we did the branding for Wild and I, or, yeah the Philharmonic or with, you know, middle way, like our role, I think, in this community in some ways is to help tell these incredible stories that that organization or event, that's not their primary thing to do is tell that story, but we can help them do that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was just sitting over my apartment on Columbia Avenue and uh, uh, freelancing to kind of make ends meet, figure out what to do next. Uh -huh. and uh, found that I really loved working directly with clients. This larger firm I was at, you know, I'm hidden in the basement and never getting to work directly with the decision maker. Kind of right. found that that was something that I was really very interested in and um, I think decent at. Mm -hmm. And so even though I was freelancing, I'd start getting these little clients of my own and then they started growing and growing and growing and the next thing you knew I, had, I really had to choose. Am I a freelancer working for other agencies, or am I doing my own thing? Yeah. And I thought one sounded easier than the other, so I chose the less easy one. Fair enough. <laughs> so do you think uh, you kind of impart some of that and kind of lead with that in mind, that these are some of the things that you liked, didn't like, started off doing OLG, and then with your employee yeah, base now? For sure. Lead from yeah. that perspective. So, you know, I, I, that freelance work, I was able to, much of it would, would be on site at the agency I was freelancing for. So I got to experience all these different work cultures and um, saw a lot of wildly different environments, you know, and the way the teams interacted and the ways that they were most successful and most collaborative. And so as we started growing here, which is about 11 years ago, I had my first employee and um, you know we've just sought the whole way to be um, collaborative shared victories yeah. and to push things like really to push things I mean at one point we actually had <clears throat> this this space we're in now was where our kind of design crew was and the accounts team was it's just seven steps up and you mm -hmm. know 
15 feet away, but it felt too, too disconnected. Yeah, too siloed, you know. Yeah. And so that's why that's how one of the ways we created the space was I want everybody up on the same level where they can overhear and be part of critiques. And, and now we were walking stuff. through your office, and I noticed you're not one of those guys that's kind of got their own private corner office, bunch of windows. You're right there in the mix with everybody. Yeah, yeah. We're Is pretty, that? we're pretty flat in that way. I don't, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> any kind of ivory tower. No? Yeah. That's yeah, rad. Yeah. That's rad. Um, no, I like to be in the mix. You know, I'm just I'm my own worst enemy because I'm hyper interested in every aspect of our business. So I like to be able to, to uh, you know, chime in and, and be part of it. Now, you said um, you kind of got involved with the community and the branding of like Fort Wayne Trails. What about uh, outside of what you're doing for work? Is there any way that you're kind of giving back to the community involved Yeah, in you know, regard. so I'm 43, so I'm quite, like right in the heart of Generation X, and you know, we used, so mid-90s, you know, when my, my friends were kind of coming back from college and stuff, there was just a lot of kind of, everyone just complaining about stuff, instead of doing the things to, to, to make your scene better, you mm -hmm. know, some of those folks moved away, and, um, I never wanted to just kind of sit down at Henry's and complain about stuff, right? I was like, let's do, let's make interesting things happen. And that's why I was attracted to these events and things that were interesting. And I think that's just been intrinsic into what we do. So, um, you know, I uh, am very against the status quo. I'm very yeah. against complacency. I'm very, I'm against easy. Like I want to do things that, that kind of challenge what the expectation might be of what you can do in Fort Wayne, whether that's via marketing or whether that's through events yeah. or um, experiences. And so, yeah, that's intrinsic to, we could all have easier jobs that we're like dark if we did. <laughs> right. If we didn't want to do that right. the way that we want to do it. That's awesome. So, just to kind of segue from where we've been talking about OLG, giving back to the community. Seems like you've uh, been a, quite a busy man over the last 12 years. You, one, one question I think a lot of people have, when do you sleep? You know, I know you get up and you go to the Y, you're super active and running, yeah, doing yeah. your marathons. And yeah. Do you sleep at all? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good about sleeping. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a, there was a description of Bob Dylan in the 60s where, um, said, why well, burn the candle at both ends when you can uh, take a torch to the middle? <laughs> Which I kind of like, you know? Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I don't uh, covet, like, some kind of work-life balance. Like, that's no. not a priority for me. I, you know, number one thing for me is that I have three children and I want to raise great kids. And I yeah. think that my, that's, that's the, the primary thing I want to do. And so, it's, some, sometimes that's inspiring them by trying to do things that haven't been done before and letting them see that and involving them in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I just, it's not like, you know, one like a guitar starts and then, or ends and then middle waves starts and, or the, like my hobbies are my work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't have clear delineation in my life <laughs> very much. It kind of all becomes yeah. one yeah. marriage of things. Yeah. Um, so you do the one lucky work, but then you also are very physically active, right? I know I've seen you at a bunch of uh, racing events here in town. Yeah, that's a big part of I mean, your that's life. That's probably too. my. So it was a stress relief. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really. Uh, we, we were running around with a, a, a great collaborator named John Burkett, who's the 
um, videographer that, that lived here for some time. We had this whole project, we did one whole summer, and he's a runner. Mm -hmm. I was just puzzled by like, running, what, how, what? You know, I was maybe riding my bike more at that point, and uh, man, I caught the bug from him. And yeah. really found running to be the way that I would, uh, you know, I don't know, call it therapy or stress relief or whatever, but it was, it was, a, it was, uh, probably the one like me time okay uh, and so but I do that I either do it super early in the morning or figure out ways to do it where it's not interfering with the rest of my life and the rest of my commitments right I certainly love it do you have any crazy running stories or something that's happening <laughs> while you were running uh, no but I mean you know I ran my goal once I kind of caught the bug was to run a marathon on my 40th birthday and, and did and I think that for 39 years of my life, if you would have said, hey man, are you ever gonna run a marathon? I would have, you know, just keeled over and laughing about the absurdity right. of that idea. So just doing it, I think is probably the funniest How thing. many marathons you run now? Uh, five now. Five. So, yeah. Plans for more in the future? Anything longer? No, you know, the thing that's interesting about those that's fun too, is, is the, the race is, is fine, and usually there's a big party at the end, which is fun, but the training for it, you know, in 16 weeks and just four months, and that, that was what I liked the most about it was the commitment to the training because you gotta execute this plan and if you don't, you know, and I, I don't know, the discipline of that, it was very, mm -hmm. um, but it takes a ton of time and so like right now I think that um, I'm spending some of that time with the band and some of that time with middle waves and things like that, so not, not really in training mode right now. So let's talk about this band, uh, tell me yeah, about your yeah, band, so. Train Hoppers, right? <laughs> Got a band called the Legendary Train Hoppers, and so that was part of like, I mean, you know, part of that community story. I think that I was talking about earlier, like trying to. Uh, I was I performed as well, but I kind of performed in the the, the early 2000s bar circuit, was you know kind of Columbia Street West, and mm -hmm. bands doing just cover songs and really being background music for people to kind of party. And when we got, and that was fun. But then I, you know, again, like doing that was me sacrificing spending time with my kids or doing things that might be more important and so I thought if we're going to still be in a band I want to do things that feel vital and feel exceptional and kind of pushing things again so a bunch of us started this band uh, we were all in other groups that were doing that kind of bar circuit and we said let's do one where we're going to write all of our own songs and we're going to play very non-traditional venues that are going to very often be all ages hopefully they're going to be outside hopefully it's going to be free and we started doing that so this is from 2005 to 2007 and in that time, we, we worked with the downtown improvement district a little bit, did mm -hmm. a few block parties down on Calhoun. We brought a band here called the Avet Brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is, you know, they've now been to the embassy twice and sold it out, but they were just this little block party right in front of the Dash Inn. And then we started an event called Down the Line, which was at the embassy. And that was really, that was the last show for the, that band, the Train Hoppers. And, and Down the Line was, um, Again, the embassy approached us, it was their 85th anniversary, and said, do you have any ideas for a cool fundraiser? And we pitched in a few ideas, and one was down the line, which was local bands playing the music of the artists that inspired them to be musicians in the first place. Oh, and sick. these were all like original bands, you know, folks who were writing original material, but then playing the songs of it. Yeah. And so we did this thing, five, five bands, and uh, we did Dylan, um, Orange Opera did, um, uh, the Beatles and um, David Totoran did Johnny Cash. And, and anyway, they, they thought that the goal was a thousand folks in the yeah. venue, and it had 1,800. Wow! On a just torrential 
uh, winter storm in the middle wow. of February. Did it the second year at 2,100 people, and third year and fourth year sold out. Wow. And, and then, and it's all, again, OLG didn't get kind of paid for that work. It was like we were, it was a great thing for the community. You know, we would pick the bands and produce it and, uh -huh. you know, market it. So then they knew how to do it, and, and we were out of bands we liked. So we were like, here's the keys to down the line, Embassy, <laughs> now go do it. And they still do it. You know, really? It's, it's gone uh, 11 years now. That's raised really cool. over $300,000 for the theater. That's awesome. So that was like, that, that band liked doing things like that. Anyway, that we, we, took, we went on hiatus then, you know. It's a big band, there's six people. We were all mm -hmm. younger and probably more, by being younger, we were acting older. Right. <laughs> And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, we, we thought, and we had made one album back then, we thought, and we always wondered what the second album would have sounded like. Yeah. And so we said, we ought to make the second album. And like I said, now we're all older and, and more mature, but it feels far more youthful, yeah. far more fun, less precious, less like, this is my song, don't touch it, far more like collaborative and things are uh, really, I mean, it's awesome. It's like what I dreamt a band could be like. Right. You know? And uh, and again, we're trying to do the same thing. We're playing, you know, we'll do stuff here. We're playing these block party style things that are all ages free. You know, they're from 7 to 9 p.m. instead of uh, 11 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. Right. <laughs> and there's no TVs on. We're not playing shows where the NFL game's on in the background. We're oh, just yeah. background entertainment. Like, I think trying to do something very particular and create a kind of experience. That, More pure, in a sense. Yeah. So and the scene's so much better now, too. You know, some oh. bands we play with, and with venues like the Brass Rail or CS3. Uh -huh. It's just a different live music scene, and it's awesome. You know? Yeah. And again, if I go all the way back to moving back here in the mid 20 years ago, moving back here from IU, it's like, man, uh -huh. what a, this live music scene now is awesome. And more touring bands coming through. And Has that been cool to kind of see that growth? Over yeah, time and sure, be a part sure. of it. You know, the, you know, Corey Raider over at the rail and, and Johnny Camarado who started that. They were a couple of those guys that we were together 20 years ago, saying, "Tired of people complaining, let's do something." You know, and they've, you know, the, the brass rails, a, you know, it's, it's a, just a weapon in the war against the brain drain. I think. Like, yeah. Because there are people that hang there and are passionate about that place. It's, it's, it's made their lives better, you know. And there's yeah. a lot of that kind of thing happening, you know. That's a more and more one, but you see it for people into a lot of different things, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty neat. Now you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, a couple of Bob Dylan quotes. Is he kind of your <laughs> biggest inspiration yeah, yeah, music-wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dylan, yeah. Why, why sure, is that? For sure. Oh, just because he's, uh, I feel he's just so mercurial and always changing, uh, you know. Um, uh, probably disappointing people along the way. You know, there's a, you know when he plugged, went electric, then people were disappointed, and then he, then he stopped doing that, and people were disappointed. But but the fact that he's pursuing something that um, he seems to be on a journey, I'm just inspired by that. And so, and his shows are never the same twice. So my buddies and I, we probably saw him 40 times. In the, late 90s and early 2000s, that's what we would do. It's like, hey, he's gonna be in uh, Cedar Rapids and then Milwaukee and Chicago and Detroit. Let's each take a couple of days off and make a four day weekend. We'd follow him around, you know, every show is different. And yeah. I also like that his songs, like he even says, like the songs are just sketches. And so they live, they breathe, they live in performance. And so they might be radically different. And again, that frustrates some people. For me, I'm just like energized by it. I love that and I think it inspires 
the work that we do here too to um, not just do it the same way it's been done before and not be afraid to try to be better or explore like how far we can take something. Mm -hmm. um, so he, yeah, he's, he's the guy on that front for me. That's cool, <laughs> that's cool. So Bob Dylan, kind of super inspirational, but is he, I'm imagining he's still on your playlist today. There's gotta be a couple of newer Newer things you're listening to as well, <laughs> local, national, international. What's got your yeah, attention? Yeah, I'm really obsessed with this band right now called Hiss Golden Messenger. Who, what? <laughs> Where are they from? They're from uh, Durham, North Carolina. Right. And uh, singer songwritery stuff, Americana. Yeah. Um, I tend to like Americana, and then it, and then maybe like really loud, messy rock and roll. Uh -huh. But he's awesome. Just incredible lyrics. Guy's about the same age as me, and uh, so a lot of things he writes about. Uh, I think it really resonate in my life. Seems like a man on a journey, and uh, he's documenting it quite well. Yeah. So I mean, my dream is to get him to play here. You, you think you'll make it happen? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. If we'll you see. make it happen, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. pretty much strictly Americana, though. Is, is uh, that's my. I guess you know that's what our band makes. But no, I like uh, you know so. I like a, a band called The Replacements and their singers Paul Westerberg and I, what I like that's just an unpolished not fussed over sound that's uh, uh, just so loose and uh, um, kind of doesn't give a damn yeah in a way that I find to be really great and uh, cool they've got a great line uh one foot in the door, one foot in the gutter, and I feel that that sums up OLG's ethos sometimes. I think we've got credibility, I, I converted that to we've got credibility in the boardroom and the barroom. Yeah. I think that's where I think we've been, <clears throat> it's been a sweet spot for us. I think that we are, we're, just, we're authentic in each place, so we've got, we've been able to kind of I think marry certain things together. For example, getting the local bands on the stage at the Embassy Theater, our work with Middle Waves, where mm -hmm. we're needing, you know, very uh, important corporate sponsorships, but like right, to provide an economic engine for a very non-traditional and potentially kind of edgy yeah. um, experience that's maybe you know, a little bit more on the fringe. And so the fact that we have credibility with both those audiences and, and actually show them how much they have in common with each other is mm -hmm. an important thing that we do here. So then, as we kind of transition now. Um, mentioned middle waves a few times. I'm imagining you're kind of the brains the, or the heart and the soul behind this deal. Well, it's a steering committee and it certainly takes this entire committee to make it happen. But yeah, it's a team that brings very particular skills uh, okay. to the table. And, um, and ours are really in, uh, you know, I mentioned down the line we, in yeah. those block parties. We were doing, I think, big things, big events, you know, 2,400 people down the line. And then I really kind of shied and I wanted to like say, okay, I don't really want to worry about providing an experience for 2,400 people. What's an experience for 35 people? And that's when we started really doing shows here at the B-side. Yeah. So for the last three years, we've been doing these kind of hyper-intimate shows that people come here and it's, it's all about that performance. Again, you know, we're not an operating bar with no. glass chinking and the NBA game on and 
it's it's you're here for the performance and uh, boy there have been just some magical things that have happened in this space and um, and we will have touring bands come through here and uh, they uh, as we it's been really remarkable and so does the brass rail is those those booking agents we work with to, to book that talent as we started working on middle waves they're the same folks that represent the Wilkos of the world and the Shins and the Flaming Lips and, mm. and it's so we've had it's funny because we have credibility for like taking care of a performer and providing a great experience due to what happens here or what Corey does at the Brass Rail has allowed, given us credibility for this festival as well. Yeah. So anyway we were doing bigger things and then we're like doing this really tiny thing here and then now it's like okay let's try to do something bigger than anything any of us had ever done before and that was middle ways. And then did you kind of see it being as popular as it was for the first time last year? Um, we planned for it to be. <laughs> I mean it was, it it was, was a gambling. big hit. It was certainly gambling and I think that we all felt that it was if you had gone to a festival and you know the folks involved in the steering committee are all, you know, kind of uh, huge music fans, food, right. art, culture, festival fans, and uh, and had done that. But so if you had gone to a, you know, big ones would be like Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo or Coachella, that kind of thing, or, or there are small, you know, smaller festivals. And understand three stages, thirty performers, like mm -hmm. two people you might want to see are playing at the same time, and you have to make that difficult decision on who to see. If you, if you had that experience, Middleways then made sense. We're going to do that kind of thing right in Headwaters Park. But yeah. if you hadn't, it was like, well, what is this and why is it? Why are two bands playing at the same time? Right. And I think we all felt like from the market, you know, on, on, on the marketing committee, and it, from marketing it, it felt we like to say we kind of we're trying we're marketing a unicorn. Nobody had ever seen it, and we're yeah. promising a certain kind of experience. And so the folks that attended the first year are really folks who were kind of rolling the dice and saying, yeah, I'm going to go see something I've never seen before and I don't know if it even exists. Then it happened and it was incredible. Right. And, and now also we have all this photographic evidence <laughs> that yeah. happened. Yeah. And so telling the story this year, it's a lot easier for us to say, it's what, this is what the unicorn looks like. Yeah. And it's magical. It's wonderful and it's going to inspire you and it's going to... Uh, hopefully uh, introduce you to new and different things that you haven't seen before in this community and um, you know our whole mission we're, we're, Fort Wayne does such a wonderful job with kind of genre specific things mm -hmm. you know like there's country fest down at the parking field 12,000 yeah. people and it's amazing right it's enormously successful it was in Headwaters Park and outgrew it but we, it's just that kind of music, and it's, you know, we do a lot of that kind of thing where we just have these silos. And middle ways, it's very purposefully, you're going to have some indie rock, you're going to have some dance, you're going to have some hip-hop, you're going to have some Americana. Yeah. It, it reflects probably more um, the way that people consume music these days, you know, a playlist culture. Yeah. It's okay to go, to go from Radiohead to Kendrick Lamar yeah. to the Ava Brothers. That's okay. That's how we consume music. That's and uh, so the festival seeks to like kind of capture that, and also it's just it's um, it's it's I think capturing kind of the arts and the food scene in Fort Wayne as well. And we're trying to really create experiences at, at all. So you say it's kind of like touches. putting culture on display. I, I'd say so. Yeah, and I mean our whole point, you know, we 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 had a role model in Des Moines, Iowa, who really was our guru, and they've, they've kind of last year opened up their festival to us to learn from. But they. 
they very important. We went to the, we went to their festival. It's called 8035, and, and from the stage that executive director Amadeo Rossi said, the point of this week, this event is not this weekend. The point is that there are 51 other weekends where you can experience this kind of thing in our community yeah. via the food scene, via the music scene, via the art scene, and I think that that's what we're trying to do the same thing. It's like we're not trying to we're not trying to replace anything that exists right now. We're just putting Portland's best foot forward and showcasing all this amazing stuff. That's cool. So what do you say, uh, you got some time, maybe we can go down to Headwaters, you can kind of show me what you got yeah, and yeah. kind of talk about what your vision is for the future there. Sure, you bet. Sweet. Let's do it. So we made it down to, down to the park where Middleway is going to be yeah. at. Um, <clears throat> just kind of give us an idea of what your vision is for this area and you know, like really what you want to see happen musically down here for that festival. Yeah. So you know, we are uh, we take over the entirety of Headwaters Park, both sides. We're on the west side now side. and the east side. Okay. Um, and what we've done, and we've got a great logistics and kind of planning team that, that has worked out all the space, is we've really flipped the use of the park. I think most of us are familiar with we've seen music at Headwaters in the pavilion. Yeah. Our music actually happens out in the green spaces. Oh. So three stages named after the rivers. St. Mary's main stage is on the east side okay. where um, in the largest kind of green space of the park mm -hmm. and that's the ticketed area you need a ticket to get into the main stage but then on the west side here we've got two more stages the Maumee stage and the St. Joe stage okay. and this is all free and open to the public. Oh. So folks can come down. No ticket sales? No right? ticket sales wow. for this. There will be bars and food out here and okay. uh, that's local and national bands. So, okay. um, you know, we want this festival, it's very important to us and to yeah. our sponsors really to be accessible to all. You don't have to be able to afford the ticket. Right. Um, that's where the headlining bands will be. But, so, uh, with bringing all these headlining bands and doing it such a well done production, you kind of want to see Middle Waves grow to be this bigger thing over the couple years, kind of like you did at the Embassy, or what's the, yeah, what's the deal with that? I think we've got room to grow here, um, and then, you know, as the riverfront continues to develop and grow as well, I think that, that we can continue to spread out. Mm -hmm. Love the format that we're doing right now. We do a, a Friday and Saturday, so the Friday is kind of a six hour thing, five okay. to 11, Saturdays, 11 to 11, but. Um, we just want to make sure that we're always adding to the experiences. So it is a music festival, but you know we want to provide an experience where before people even know who the performers are, they say, I got to be there because I know I'm going to be promised a great so time. so cool. Yeah. yeah. And so again, our steering committee is 11 members strong and just we're all volunteers uh -huh. and everyone's just, you know, putting blood and sweat into it. So no tears. <laughs> no tears. That's good. So let me ask you this. I mean, you mentioned the riverfront. Do you? What's your kind of vision, or where would you like to see Fort Wayne blossom, or how would you like to see it grow? Uh, so much great stuff's happening. You know, for me, like sometimes we'll we'll be at something, or maybe hopefully something we help put together, where folks after it will say, "Man, I couldn't believe I was in Fort Wayne." Yeah. And I think I want to get to the point where people don't say that anymore. They say, "Yeah, that's just another incredible thing about Fort Wayne." Okay. So you kind of want to shape the way people see the city. Is there so you have some, you know, we'll have some confidence. 
yeah. a sense of adventure too to try new things, but then confidence that we are cool enough, yeah. in a cool enough place to make it happen. So let me ask you this then. Um, why Fort Wayne then? Why make Fort Wayne so cool? Why do you want to see it blossom? Well, I kind of told you earlier, like I'm not interested in easy. Yeah. And so I really felt like uh, I could move someplace that things are already happening uh -huh. and take part in something others had built. I'd rather be part of the building. Yeah. And I think this is the place to do that. You think that's the place, this is the place for others to do it as well? Kinda yeah, absolutely. Starting up, so young people, entrepreneurs. Yeah, people doing grassroots things and um, being able to network with the right people to help make it happen. And then, you know, we do have more and more folks who I think are supporting things that are a little outside their comfort zone and, yeah. and try something new. That's rad. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for your time, hey, man. Appreciate it. It was super Real good. honor, man. Good no, to see you. It's great Thank to you. have you. Thanks. Awesome appreciate stuff. It. Looking thanks. forward to middle ways. Can't wait. Cool. That's a cut. Good to go. I'm curious, I got you. I'm saying if it's not you.